I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. All right, well, let's get into the Word of God today. Anybody ready for some Word today? Man, what a great time we've already had in worship. Uh, it's been incredible. But I, I really, listen to me, I really believe the Lord has given me a prophetic Word today. There's times that the Lord just gives me a message, and maybe it's more kind of a line upon line, a precept on precept message, a teaching message. But I really believe that the Lord has given me something prophetically to speak to you today. Something that I just believe is a word in season. So I'm going to prepare our hearts to receive it. So if you would bow your head with me here before we get into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this time we've already had with you this morning, Lord. We've sensed your presence so strongly here in this sanctuary today, Lord God. And Father, I pray that that same presence that we feel so strongly here in this sanctuary has been transferred through all the, the technical connections through the internet into each home, to each person's arena that they're watching this in right now, whether it's here in Enid or literally across the world. Father, there's no time and there's no distance in the spiritual realm. So Lord, I believe that you have given me a prophetic word to speak and to each and every one of us, a word in season, Lord God. So Lord, I ask this, that you give us all the ears to hear what you want us to hear today, Lord God. Father, give us the eyes to see what you want us to see. And Lord, you are in the miracle work and business. The word of God declares you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you're never going to change. So Lord, just reveal yourself to us in a magnificent way. And Lord, more importantly, I just pray that we all go from this service today encouraged, healed, full of your power, and sitting in your presence today. In your name we pray, and everybody say it with me, amen and amen. I want you to open up your Bible or click on your device to the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to take another step in the journey that we started out last week, entitled Joy to Your World. Look at somebody beside you and tell them, your world needs some joy. Your world needs some joy. And so I want to take a look at going back. I was in Luke, chapter 2, last weekend in the service as we talked about the angel's declaration to the shepherds on the hillside. But I wanna back up several verses to the first part of Luke chapter two. And here, you know, whenever we gather together around our Christmas uh, tree or whatever it may be on Christmas day, our tradition in our household is we take time to read the Christmas story. I don't know if you do that with your family and your kids around you. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, but this is where we go to to read in Luke chapter 2. But if you would, look with me at the first seven verses. Last week we picked up in verse 8 and went on, but let's pick it up in verse 1. Luke chapter 2, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, At the time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 2. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for their census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now 
obviously pregnant. Ladies, anybody remember the days when you was carrying a child and you were obviously pregnant? Anybody remember those days? I remember those days. I remember those days back over 28 years ago when Tammy and I found out we were pregnant. Don't you like it, ladies, how I said we were pregnant? Of course, y'all know that uh, how uh, slender Tammy is. You know, our first go-around, we had twins, boy-girl twins. And so in the, you know, by the time it got into about the 30th, late 20th week, Tammy looked like a toothpick with an olive right in the middle of it. Mary was obviously pregnant, verse six. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Verse seven, she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. Now I want you to see something here. How many times have you just kind of ran through the Christmas story? I mean, for me, I've been running through the Christmas story pretty much for 53 years that I've read the Christmas story, that I've looked at the Christmas story. And there's so much of the Christmas story, I'll be honest with you, has become so familiar that sometimes, I've been saying a lot lately, what you become familiar with, you lose the value for. Come on, husbands and wives, when you could become familiar with that spouse, you can tend to lose the value for them. That's why you got to keep the passion stirred up. Amen. Don't hear any amens from any husbands or wives in the church today. Amen. Amen. You got to keep it stirred up. Got to keep it passionate. Well, the Christmas story, I want to be honest with you, these, these next sentence, I've always glazed over. I mean, we've all seen the nativity scenes. We've all seen that. But something hit me pretty strong this week. Let me finish out verse 7. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, read it with me, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. It's very interesting to me that just that phrase right there, and then a few verses later, it talks about how that the shepherds came and visited them there at the stable, that such few words are given to the circumstances or to the situation of Jesus coming. I've got a dear friend in my life. His name is Dan Scheidel. Uh, some of y'all know him. He is the director of United Way. I was in a meeting with him Thursday for lunch. He made a statement that said, isn't it interesting that Jesus wasn't born in an hotel, that he was born in a stable? And all of a sudden, I said, oh, yeah. I mean, I've known that all my life, but suddenly... Suddenly, something just like a bomb going off in my spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, he was born in a stable. He was laid in a manger. Think about it. If you know what a manger is, I mean, we've heard it all the time. A manger is a feeding trough. Jesus was born in a manger. He was laid there in that feeding trough. Surrounded, and it and suddenly hit me. What's the difference between a hotel and a stable. And I begin to think about, well, hotel, when you guys travel, y'all remember when you used to travel all the time? When you go to a hotel, how many of y'all like a nice, comfortable hotel, right? Why do you like a hotel versus sleeping in your car on a trip? Well, for one, I'm married. <laughs> Husbands, I don't know if your wife is like mine. She's not going to sleep in the car. And she don't want no just any average hotel. She wants a nice hotel. 
right? You think about it for just a moment. A hotel, a hotel is something that is very comfortable, has a controlled environment. Today in a hotel, it's got electricity. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got cable. How many of you know that's pretty comfortable, right? Anybody that's traveling over the holidays, if you don't make it to your destination, most likely you're going to stop in a hotel. Jesus, the story of Jesus, this is what hit me. The reason why he was born in the stable, because there was no room for him in, there was no lodging available. No lodging. You think about the situation that Jesus was born in. It was a place, not of comfort, but a place of what? Discomfort. It was a place where the environment was not controlled. There was no thermostat in the manger, in the stable. No way to control the temperature. This is what the Lord spoke to me. See, I've read that story all my life, but it had no significance until 2020. Y'all remember the first two and a half months of 2020? Y'all remember how comfortable 2020, the first few months of 2020 was? Come on, y'all remember going to the movies in a crowded movie theater, man, and elbowing somebody just to get in? Y'all remember going to sporting events where you'd go in and everybody's hollering and screaming and bumping into each other? Y'all remember the days of going into Walmart and just bump side to side through the holidays? Y'all remember those days? Anybody remember those days of going to a restaurant and having to wait and hopefully you're not sitting too close to somebody that you can't get out and get around? Anybody remember those days? We started out this year very comfortable, did we not? I mean, we were excited, we're comfy. I mean, we got our proverbial fuzzy slippers on. I mean, life is good. You know, kids are in school. And suddenly what happens? We go from comfort to discomfort. The Lord continued to speak this to me. We have been in a time of comfort of the hotel but just like Jesus, Jesus showed up not in a time of comfort. He showed up in a time of discomfort, of discomfort. I don't know if this is speaking to anybody here this week, but I really believe that what the Lord is saying here today, that many times it is in the hard times of our life that Jesus manifests himself the most significantly. Mm. The times of Jesus' birth, it was during not a time of comfort for God's people. It was during a time when it was very hard. The people at that time, they were struggling. You talk about a crisis, they were in it. They may not have been facing a pandemic like we're in the middle of right now, but these guys was living under Roman rule. These guys was living where they had, you talk about losing freedoms? People are so worked up right now because they're losing their freedoms because they're asked to wear a mask. I'm talking about a group of people. They have totally lost every freedom they ever had. And Jesus shows up right in the middle of that. These people, you know what? There was a rule that the Romans had a law that any soldier could find a Jewish person and asked them to help them carry their armor or help carry something. And it was law that they had to carry it for a mile. You know what Jesus said? He didn't show up to him and say, oh, you poor things, you've lost your freedoms. You know what Jesus said? He said, don't go with them just one mile. What did he say? Anybody remember that? Go with them two miles. Jesus, he was very counterculture. Man, I gotta be careful because I could get off some stuff that I talked about last week and I'm, that's not where the Lord wants me to go today. 
But this is what I want you to see. It's in moments of crisis that God shows up and shows off the best many times in our life. Amen? You know, we started off this year at a place of comfort, but now we're in a place of discomfort. And there's just a couple of thoughts that I want to just drop into your heart here this morning, because I believe, again, this is a word in season for somebody today, if not all of us. So let me just give you a couple thoughts about being in a place of discomfort today. You know, you're, we are not in the hotel of life right now. We're in the stable. I, I, I don't enjoy doing some of the things I have to do right now, but you know what? I'm going to survive. I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Come on, we are going to make it. Amen? See, just because you're in a place of discomfort doesn't mean that God has forgotten about you. This is what I want you to understand. First of all, know that God is up to something. God is up to something. In fact, if you're close enough there to somebody, I want you to tell that person beside you, tell them God's up to something. God's not on vacation right now. God's not isolating right now. Let me tell you, God is very much alive and God is very much in this season that we're in. I want you to know that. Could you imagine, think about this ladies being very pregnant and have to travel on a donkey for miles for days? And you get into the place and looking for some relief and Joseph shows up, oh, honey, I didn't make a reservation, so we gotta go stay in the barn. I don't know how that'd go for y'all, but for me, I, I, I mean, that's, anyway, I better leave that alone, you know, because I know my wife very well. I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> but I want you to know God is up to something. We, 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 we've sung that song, we're gonna bring it back in January. I know that God's up to something good. Come on, I believe that in your life, those of you that are watching on right, line right now, God is up to something good. And it's a matter, I like what Kinsley was saying earlier, it's a matter of our perspective. Our, our Christina was saying that. It's a matter of our perspective. What are you going to choose to focus upon? I want to focus upon, I believe that God is doing something good. See, even in the midst of this crazy year that we've had in 2020, we've seen God move in some pretty big ways. And I want to remind us of a passage of scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, I believe this is a, a, a timely word for many of us here today. Look at this passage of scripture, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, now we have this light shining in our hearts. Come on, where's it at? It's in our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I know I'm moving pretty fast now. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. I tell you, one revelation I've had this year is how fragile our life is. How fragile it is. He goes on and says this, it says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Verse eight, listen to this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Come on, anybody feel pressed this year? We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Verse nine, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Verse 10, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus Christ. Suffering is not a popular topic in our churches today. Says again, continue to share in the death of Jesus. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, come on, say it with me, may be seen in our bodies. Anybody have any suffering this year? We all have. If you jump down to verse 16, this is what I really want you to see. It says, this is why we never give up. Come on, somebody say, I'm never gonna give up. 
I'm never going to give up. Come on, somebody say that a little bolder and a little louder. Come on, say, I'm never going to give up. He says, that's why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, verse 17, for our present troubles. <laughs> Come on now. For our present troubles, our stable experience are small. We're not going to, and it's not going to last very long. This is what I know. This season that we're in, this will change eventually. It will eventually change. Now, this is just what is stirring in my heart. I think this is, I can't say this is by the Holy Spirit. It may be. But I believe we've got probably three to six months left before we see a, a significant change in the environment that we're in right now, okay? So their present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Verse 18, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Anybody got any troubles today? Come on, anybody got any issues today? Anybody uncomfortable today besides me? It says, rather we fix our gaze Talking about focus. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, come on, everybody say it with me. Come on, the things we cannot see, everybody say it with me, what? Gonna last forever. Again, this whole passage tells me life is not about what happens to us on the outside, it's all about what's going on on the inside. Come on, somebody say God's up to something inside of me. Come on, say somebody say he's up to something good in me. Come on, he's up to something good in us. Amen? But what about the pain that we're in? There's pain in our world right now. There's pain in our lives. When I think about that statement right there, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me last night. It's a phrase that I used to use years ago when I worked out. Maybe you've heard it before. No pain? Oh, you've heard that before. Come on, no pain? How many of y'all want to do some gaining? Woohoo! come on now. Man, I would love just to go to Walmart and exchange 20 pounds of fat for 10 pounds of leanness. Anybody with me today? Come on, no pain? What I've learned, if I want to lose 20 pounds, I want to have to have probably some pain. In other words, I'm going to have to get my old butt up out of bed. I'm going to have to work out. I'm going to have to run. I'm going to have to do something, all right? But we understand that principle that if we want to gain in something in our life, it requires some pain. If your finances are out of whack, if they are crazy, I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, if you want to live like nobody else, you got to live like nobody else. In other words, if you want to live with some gain, you better learn to create some pain that's going to cause you to pull into your budget, create a budget, control your spending. Right? No pain, no gain. So this is what I really believe. Pastor, you're talking, supposed to be talking about joy. Well, the reality is I am talking about that. Because we all think about joy being that thing that we're believing God for. We all think about joy being that breakthrough. But how does it come? I tell you, many times that breakthrough will come through times of pain. So this is good news. If you're experiencing some pain, change your perspective and just realize if I'm experiencing some pain right now, ah, God must be up to something. Amen? It's a matter of our perspective. See, the situation that many are in right now, that many of us right now, we are being, let me just put it in this perspective, it feels like life is squeezing us. Anybody with me? Come on, we're, we're being forced into these uncomfortable arenas of our life. 
Listen to me real close. That constriction, the pressing in around us can feel like a tomb. Can feel like the walls are closing in around us. But I believe that if we will simply take the right perspective of the situation that we are in, we can see that it's not a tomb, but a womb. If you're in a time of constriction, a place of uncomfort, and it feels like a tomb. A tomb, what is a tomb? A tomb is something where it seems like that it is over. It seems like that death is around the corner. It seems like that it is at the end. It seems like that there is no hope. But what's the difference between a tomb and a womb? Because they're very similar. They feel the same. See, in a womb, just like a child that's developing in his mother's belly there, it's constrictive. And the more that that child grows, the more constrictive that the space becomes. And everybody know, every woman in the house knows that as that child continues to grow, I mean, 40 weeks of gestation through that period of time, and that first trimester, a woman could come up to you and say, I am pregnant. And you look at her like, you can't be. I don't see anything. But come on, ladies, how many of you know the second trimester kicks in and then you start getting a little baby bump. You start feeling things you didn't feel before. But you get into that third trimester and you're like, dear God, save me. Anybody remember those days? Remember those days? Yeah. I, I, you know, I remember our first pregnancy. Of course, we started out with twins. I mean, we're like on that 26th, 27th week. And Tammy's like, get these babies out of me, you know. And we still had several weeks to go. The tomb has no hope, but the womb knows that there is a timing involved. There's a kairos time, a season, and at the right time, come on, ladies, how many of y'all were glad, man, you was in a weeks of pain, you was in weeks of agony carrying that baby, but man, there came that time that you pushed that baby out, and all of a sudden, it was like, woo, this is awesome. I mean, I've seen the, you know, we went through it. I was like, oh, all of a sudden you're holding that baby in your arms. Like, oh my gosh, I remember, our, you know, whenever we came up pregnant, I was, I was nervous as a cat. I'm like, man, I don't even like babies. I mean, I don't mind them when they're three or four years of age, but I'm like, man, we're going to have our own now. You know, when I was growing up in church, everybody wanted to come hold my baby. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So whenever we find out we're having babies, like, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I don't even like babies. But the moment that they laid Brooke and Brandon in my arms, the, the, the dad switch kicked on inside of me. I was like, oh my gosh, these are mine. And I loved them. It was great joy. But to get to the place of great joy, it was a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of discomfort. Church, this is what I'm saying. I believe that in this season of pain, this place of constriction that we're in, that it's not a tomb, but maybe it's a womb. Maybe it's a womb that God's got us in right now. As a church, I believe that we are in a time where there is, that God is up to something. I'm not seeing everything that I, I thought I would see. When I was at the beginning of January and looking into the end of January, I'm like, whoo, man, I can't wait till January, until 2020 gets to the end. I'm gonna, God's going to show up. I mean, we're going to probably be running three and four services. I'm like, whoa, here we are. <laughs> here we are. It's not what I thought it would be. Anybody else with me here today? Amen. See, we're in a season of being in the womb. 
It's yes, it's constrictive. Yes, it's uncomfortable. But it's also a time that we are being developed. That we, listen to me, church in the womb. What's the difference between a womb and a tomb? A tomb, things are dying. But in the womb, things are growing. Come on, somebody say God's up to something. See, it's in the womb that's a time of expanding our faith, expanding our trust, expanding our spiritual giftings, which all leads to a greater impact in our lives. You know, let me just share this with you, just something God has done in me over these last several months. Been in full-time ministry all my life. You know, I've been in for, what, 32, 33 years now. Been pastoring this church here this January. We're going to be celebrating 23 years of being here in Enid at World Harvest Church. 20, World Harvest is going to be 23 years old come January 11th. That's just a few weeks away. And I've had all these preconceived ideas, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not proud of this fact, but pre-COVID, I would be more, uh, let me just, just let it, I was probably pretty easily moved by what people thought of me. And I was pretty easily moved by people, what they thought of the experiences to church. And I'm, not that that drove me, but there was that side of me that was kind of concerned about what people thought. <laughs> well, let me tell you what has happened in my womb experience of these last several months. I've got to the place, I've had so much criticism in the last several months, so many people uh, creating divisiveness, so many things coming against me and coming against us as a church, so many people talking in our community, things about us. I'm pretty much like, huh, no big deal. You know what? It doesn't bother me anymore. And I continue to declare that in front of you and everybody that's listening to me right now. It's not going to bother me anymore. Come on, a year ago, we had a snow day like this. I'd been probably a little worried, a little anxious. Oh my goodness, how are we going to pay the bills? How to? You go through COVID shutdown. You go through a couple of weeks to go preach into an empty room with, listen, I would much rather preach to 10 people with a camera than a nobody with a camera. So I'm glad that there's more than 10 people here in the church today. Amen. Not neglecting y'all that are online right now. I appreciate you being here. But you know, God has done something in me that I don't want to lose. And see, what could be a tomb, there's a lot of churches not going to make it out of this COVID pandemic. Churches are shutting down. Businesses are shutting down. Marriages are breaking apart. Families are falling apart. What is that? For some, it's a tomb. But I believe for those that choose to believe the word of God, it's simply a womb. God, do your work in us. Amen? You all all right with that? I believe that's a word for all of us. See, we're in the time of the womb. God is going to birth something in us, through us as individuals. And I believe, bless God, he's gonna birth something in us and through us as a church. Let's real quickly just, I've got another long passage of scripture. I want you to see this because I believe this is something very key that will help bring some joy to your life and some understanding for maybe something that you are going through in your life. I want you to look, let's go Old Testament. Clear back to the book of Exodus. Exodus, and let me just read you a little bit of the story of the children of Israel, God's chosen people. All right, there's something I believe that we can learn from this. See, the children of Israel, if you know their story, the, 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 the most famous story that everybody probably knows about the children of Israel, how God brought them out of the land of Egypt, a land of slavery. But I want to back up 430 years. Before God brought them out of the land of Egypt, there was a time whenever there was a, a, a seven years of famine that came to the land and God wanted to preserve his people and protect his people. And so Joseph, through y'all remember Joseph, Joseph that was betrayed by his brothers, ended up in Egypt, ended up becoming the second most important person in the entire land. The famine hits and through another dramatic series of events that makes a great movie, 
70, or let me rephrase that, Joseph brought all of his family from Canaan to live with him in Egypt. When they entered in, there were 70 people. 70 people came into Egypt. But I want you to see this in starting out in verse 5 of Exodus chapter 1, because what happened... Let me just pick it up here in verse five. Exodus one, verse five. Let me just read several verses here. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. Verse six. In time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, look at this, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Verse eight. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Verse 9, he said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. Verse 10, we must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if, we, if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us, then they will escape from the country. Verse 11, so the Egyptians made the Israelites what? They're slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the kingdom. How many of you know these people, God's chosen people, are very much in a place of discomfort? We think we've got it bad. Look what these people had. Forced labor. Bad. But I want you to see something here. Verse 12. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, come on, read it with me the more the Israelites, what? Multiplied and spread. The more alarmed the Egyptians became. And let me just stop right there in that passage of scripture. I don't know if you're getting this, but here we see God's chosen people. Now, I believe this is a whole other message. What was provision for them to come to Egypt now became an enslavement to them. And that's a whole other message. We gotta be careful. Got to be careful that we, just, we don't let the things of this world enslave us. That's a whole other message, like I said. But this is what I want you to see. Even in a place of could have been a tomb, the Egyptians had mindset, we got to kill these people. We got to take them out, hard force labor, unless they rise up. But God said, I've got my hand upon them. And the more y'all, remember what it said? The more that they were oppressed, what happened to them? The more they flourished. It was a womb. And finally, after 430 years, God said, now it's time. The birthing is now time. And under the leadership of Moses, God supernaturally brought him out of the land of Egypt. And the nation of Israel was birthed, was born. The pain created some gain. The pain, the crying out, Night after night, generation after generation, God save us. The pain created some what? Some gain. Now, I don't know how bad you've got it, but I can guarantee you, you don't have it bad as those people did. See, it's the womb versus the tomb. Every advance in the kingdom of God is always preceded by a setback. You know, you look at the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, it looked like it was a setback. It wasn't a setback. It was a mighty comeback that produced great glory in that. Amen? See, we're in a time of constriction, but it's in the time of constriction that we've got to allow things to grow inside of us. Never waste a time of constriction. Children of Israel, we just read it, grew so large that the Egyptians could not contain them. 
This is what the Lord spoke to me during worship. It's a matter of what is happening to the seed of the word of God in our life. Come on, everybody knows the concept of birth. How does birth happen? How does conception take place? When the mother's egg connects with the father's sperm, a seed, it's all about a seed. What happens? Life happens. But it takes 40 weeks for the life to produce a baby that is birth. Amen? See, in our lives right now, we've all got the seed of the word of God living inside of us. Are you allowing the seed to die in a tomb? Are you allowing the seed to continue to grow, to nurture it? One of the first things we did whenever we got pregnant is we got on these prenatal vitamins because we wanted our kids to be as healthy as they could be. So we started taking care of the seed, nurturing the seed in that. The same way we got to nurture the seed of the word of God. Amen? Let me give you one final thought then I'm gonna wrap up here, okay? Hopefully y'all are getting some out of this. Come on, everybody say, I'm in the womb, not the tomb. Amen. Come on, somebody say, God's up to something. So the, the final thing I just wanna make sure that you understand before we leave today is this. When in times of discomfort, you gotta hold on to what is true. How, how many of y'all are like me? There's a, just a lot of opinions out there right now. I mean, the, the, the common terminology been used over these last several years is fake news. How many of y'all realize there's some fake news out there? Yeah. You can take any topic, whatever you want that topic to be, you can research it and you're gonna find as much pro and con as regarding that topic. It's like, how do you know what's true? I mean, people come to me up after church a lot of times and says, well, didn't you hear about this? Or don't you know this is going on? I'm like, yeah, there's just a lot of news out there. How do you know what's true? The same way as in our life. Let me tell you, when you get into a womb experience, time of pain, it causes you to prioritize what is important in your life. Okay? The Apostle Paul, the later part of his life, he's thrown onto a ship. The ship gets into a tremendous storm. It's very interesting to me, they started throwing stuff overboard. You know what they begin to say? You know, that little jar or whatever, it's not that important, throw it overboard. Just trying to do everything they can do to save the situation. When you're in the storm, when you're in the season of pain, it'll cause you to evaluate your life. Now, what's sad is many people, we don't, just human nature, many times we don't evaluate the things of the flesh until we're in the time of the storm. We're in the middle of a pain. When you're in the middle of pain, let me tell you, you stop and you pay extra attention, do we not? Amen? So we gotta hold on to what is true. The scripture that's just been ringing in my heart is Hebrews chapter 12, where it talks about the things that are of this way. It says, everything that can be shaken, this is just a summation of Hebrews chapter 12. Everything that can be shaken, anybody remember the rest of that? Will be shaken. But the things of the kingdom are unshakable. So in other words, that what that is telling me in the, in, in the womb, I better be laying off some stuff that's a Bradman. I better be laying off some flesh. I, I, I better realize I need to make some priorities here in this thing. Kind of reminds me, several years ago, we went to Alaska and we was gonna go up and just fly over this glacier and, and, and the pilot, he brought this bag full of survival gear. And I'm like, we're only going up for 30 minutes flying over the glacier. He says, yes, but in Alaska, when you fly, you gotta prioritize things. You better make sure you're ready for anything. And let me tell you, in this year of 2020, we're, we're, we're just a few weeks from it being over and I know we're all excited. But like I shared earlier, I think 2021, we probably got about three to six more months of this constrictive time in our life. 
Just because the counter changes doesn't mean things are going to change. But I do believe this, by the power of the word of God, that there is a birthing, there is a change, there's something that's going to take place in us as a church and you as individuals, and you're going to be able to look back and say, man, look what God has done. Amen. Amen. It causes us to prioritize. If you're having marriage problems, you're prioritizing around it. You're trying to do everything you can to save that marriage. If your business is, is falling you know, through the cracks, you're doing everything you can. You're trying to prioritize. You're, what's important? What's important in this thing? So use this time that you're in to prioritize your life. Church, let's finish this year strong. Come on, we, we, we've been in a season of surviving, but I believe that we soon will be entering a season of thriving. Because we're seeing God is doing something. He is birthing something in our lives. Let, let me close with this real quick. I've got more scriptures I could share with you. I'll probably at least get to one more in Isaiah. But many of y'all know Joyce Meyer. And if you're a fan of hers or not, I, I'm not, I don't care. All I'm saying is this. Joyce Meyer is a woman that has literally preached the word of God pretty much all across the globe. She's reaching people. I, I can pretty much bet she's probably going to win more people to Jesus Christ than all of us combined. I'm not saying that's just, but just the reality is this. She has sowed the word of God into more people's lives. But what is amazing, if you don't know her story, she is a woman that was sexually abused by her father for all of her teenage years. She was repeatedly raped time and time again by her father. And here is a woman that suffered such tremendous sexual abuse that in the world's eyes, they would look at that situation and say, you know what, she'll probably end up in a tomb. It will take her out. But she refused to let life circumstances put her in a tomb. She looked at it simply as the womb experience. And you look at what she's doing today. Church, this is what I'm saying. If you're in a time of discomfort, welcome to the club. But even Jesus Christ, he came in a time of discomfort. Amen. Y'all receive the message today? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet with me here today. Come on, stand to your feet. And in the words of the angel, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, the angel assured the shepherds there on the hillside. He said this, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. Come on, somebody say good news. Again, this is Luke 2.10. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. To all people. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, come on. The womb is doing something. We're developing, we're growing, but there's a birthing that's gonna take place. Keep holding on. Keep holding on. I'm gonna say it again. Keep holding on. Don't give up. Let God do his wonderful, let him do his beautiful work in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your business. Let God do his work. And if you're in a time right now, it seems like it is just constrictive. The walls are closing in around you. Come on, somebody get excited about that and say, man, I guess God's getting ready to birth something inside of me. It's a matter of your perspective. Amen. Come on, somebody say, I'm getting better. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Can I give you one more scripture? Isaiah 40, verse 29. This is just a word for somebody today. Isaiah 49, verse 29. Uh, Caitlin, I don't know, Nick, do you have that? Isaiah 40, 29, the New Living Translation. If you can follow with me, that'd be great. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And I apologize, I didn't get to, oh, thank you, Nick. Great job. He gives power to the weak. Strength to the powerless. Even youth 
will become weak and tired. This is verse 30. Even youth will become weak, weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. Verse 31. Verse 31. But those, listen to me, church. This is a word for somebody. But those who trust in the Lord. How many of y'all trust in the Lord today? But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those that trust in the Lord will find what? Come on, new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. Come on, read it with me. They will run, not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Leave that up there, Nick, if you would. So in a time in the womb, I think this is a word for somebody today. Trust God. Trust God. Why am I having to go through some of these things, Pastor? I don't know. But this is what I do know. When we're in it, God's working through it to produce something for us in our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the seed of your word. Lord, just like a mother, when she goes through those trimesters, through each week of pregnancy, getting to the end, it's very uncomfortable. It's even painful sometimes. But there's joy on the other side. Lord, even in Hebrews, I love that scripture where it says, because of what was on the other side of the cross, because of the joy that awaited you, you endured the cross. Lord, even in Psalms, it says that weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Father, I believe this is a word in seasons for so many today. In this time of constriction, develop in us, mold us and make us to what you want us to be. Lord, more of you and less of us, in Jesus' name. Father, may we be bold and strong in you. May we run and not grow weary and walk and not faint, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestenid.com slash connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestenid.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.